Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Um, Bill, just to follow up on one of the thoughts that you made this morning earlier, um, I was thinking um, that we might not seem together um, because of our separation, but, you know, from a high vantage point, like from the view of God, we're probably really, really close together and appear together. And the fact that, um, uh, you know, he's in our midst, uh, to him, we are together. And so it's just very been very satisfying to me to realize that if I'm coming together to worship him and he is blessed in our togetherness from his vantage point, then that that is a great satisfaction to me in this season and, and is a way that we can continue to walk through this together, knowing that even though for us it's a sacrifice, before the Lord, uh, he is blessed when we come together. Um, so just to lay that before you. Um, Greg, I'm going to ask you to pray for me before um, I begin. I I'm having this um, problem this morning uh, with my head right up here. I've got this condition of this nerve that comes through your your skull, and it's really acting up for some reason. So if you would just pray that that will not distract me and um, and just pray for the word we're about to, to hear. Thank, I appreciate it. Thank you. Lord, we pray that nothing would hinder your word this morning, mm -hmm. that you would touch our hearts and draw us close to you. And Lord, in order for this to happen, we pray that Preston would be relieved of this, this pain that's uh, affecting his, his head and his ability to, to focus on you and to hear what you say. Mm -hmm. Lord, we know that um, you're the God of all creation. You're the one that's breathed life into us, that every moment of our life, Lord, is because of you. And I just pray, Lord, that you would be pleased and glorified to relieve this pain from Preston and allow him to just say what's on your heart, that we might receive it. And we might go forth, Lord, enlightened and strengthened by the word of God. These times are, are difficult, Lord, and we need you more than we've ever needed you. Help us to realize it. Help us to see you and help Preston to be able to effectively communicate your word to us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. <clears throat> um, about maybe a little bit over a month ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, during one of my quiet times, I really felt impressed in the Lord uh, with the phrase, the kingdom of God. And so kind of been um, pursuing that thought over these past weeks, just pursuing uh, what what it is about that he wants me to to see better or clearer and um, I've, be, I've begun to see that is actually one of the overarching themes of the Bible um, I think we we all know that uh, some of those themes that that are uh, continuous through the Bible one of them is the theme of covenant God is the covenant making and a covenant keeping God with his people, and he honors his promises. Uh, one verse that personally to me uh, vividly expresses this is in Malachi 3.6, with just a single sentence that he spoke to a people who had deserted him at the time. He says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, the sons of Jacob, have not come to an end. Some, some uh, translations say, therefore you are not destroyed. Basically, he's saying he remains faithful even as his, peop his people are not. He is the one that initiates covenant and keeps covenants with those he makes. And you can see that trace throughout the Bible. Uh, and we will see the fruition of that in the end. There's also another theme which um, Roger did a great job uh, explaining last week that the scarlet thread of redemption, the blood sacrifice. Um, I, I was able to listen to that message in all of y'all's discussion um, uh, from my phone as I was driving back from, uh, from Charlotte last week. But, you know, he, he talked about how the shed blood, which represents life, was used to cover 
sins. And that, you know, that's what allowed God to be near his people. And, you know, eventually through Christ, that shed blood redeems us forever. And it's ever present sacrifice before the throne of God that keeps his righteous ones. And I really appreciated uh, how you all engaged after, after his message uh, with that particular thing. It was just good, good to follow along. But, you know, as I've been looking at the kingdom of God, it is also a theme of the Bible. I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Camille spoke about this. And today I wanted to just continue on with this same theme. Um, let me say this. Um, I, I really appreciate how faithful many of those who speak really exegete smaller passages of the Bible. Um, I really get a deeper and expanded understanding of those scriptures and how it applies to our lives. It seems like that ever-growing and deepening knowledge of those different stories and events, the puzzle pieces, if you will, continue to unfold as a great surprise at times. Um, however, um, sometimes seeing the whole puzzle appears to help me better understand and appreciate these individual parts. I know in the last few years, it seems like for me, um, uh, learning to, to see how God has watched over his word and how it has so seamlessly uh, been put together has been such a confirmation and encouragement of, of, of its truth. Um, you know, I kind of have learned the Bible through the story by story method. And so coming to see, you know, in the latter part of my Christian walk, how much it all goes together has just been, uh, just added a great joy to studying the scriptures. Um, what I want to talk about today is to continue on a little bit with, with Camille's message. You know, there is this progression of the theme of the kingdom of God, and it begin, actually begins in creation and the setting of man in the garden of Eden. Eden and it goes all the way to Revelation. Um, one of the first things I came to realize that there are three main things that are needed for a kingdom to be a kingdom. There's got to be a king, there's got to be a people, and there's got to be a location. Um, obviously, it's a, since it tracks throughout the Bible, there's no way to cover it even superficially in this message, but I want to just kind of for brevity mention the progression that I, that I picked up from one commentary. Um, the progression all starts with P's, I think just mainly because it's helpful to remember them. Uh, in my opinion, it may not necessarily best describe the period, but it does help remember them. And that, that progression goes through like eight translations as, as you look at it. And so I'm going to just re read those and then um, talk about one or two particular ones today. Uh, the first one, obviously, is, is, is the pattern of the kingdom, and this is really uh, described in the Garden of Eden, God's interaction and time with man in that garden. Uh, it moves from that point to what is called the perished kingdom, where it's a time from the fall up to Abraham, uh, when we see the sadness of God in what he had created and how over and over people uh, deserted him. After that comes the promised kingdom. It was promised to Abraham in covenant, and this goes through the judges. And then there's the partial kingdom where um, the people of God finally became a nation. It's the time of the kings of Israel and later the divided king, kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Um, after that is the prophesied kingdom which is obviously the prophets. And even though that runs kind of chronologically with the kings, many of those spoke of a future king and a kingdom that they really didn't even grasp, uh, even as we will see the disciples didn't either. And then we come to the present kingdom, the one that was prophesied and promised, which was the time that Jesus was here in the earth. And uh, after he was resurrected and rose from the dead and uh, ascended to heaven, 
it began the proclaimed kingdom, which is the time of the Acts and, and the time that we're living in now. Um, and then eventually there will be the perfection of the kingdom, the fulfilled kingdom, which would be when Christ returned. Um, today, I want to look at that which is kind of the most familiar to us, the present kingdom during the time of Jesus. Uh, one of the reasons is because that's when the kingdom of God is most discussed in the Bible. Um, you know, I did a search for the, of the word kingdom in the New Testament. And there are like 154 references to that particular word. Now, it's an amazing thing that 118 of those, over three quarters of them, are in the Gospels. And 114 of those 118 are spoken by Jesus himself. So it's most often used in a phrase, the phrase of kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven which means the same thing. Uh, so along with the subject of hell, this is one of the subjects Jesus spent a lot of time talking about. Um, Matthew 9.35 says this, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. What's interesting now is that that word kingdom is not found in the scriptures much after his return to be with his father. Only eight times in Acts, eight times in, in, in Revelation, and the rest of the whole New Testament only 20 times. What's interesting also that in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus makes this statement. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Uh, it's interesting because we don't tend to look at it as the gospel of the kingdom, but just the gospel now. So I'm still working through that uh, and uh, what that what that's supposed to mean and look like in, in our in our discussions with people today. But today I just want to briefly look at this the subject of the present kingdom when Jesus was there. You know, it, the Bible records after the desert temptations and after he reads that portion of Isaiah, which talks about his ministry here on earth, the, the next thing he speaks about is the kingdom of God. And this is a continuation of John the Baptist's message. You know, when John the Baptist was in prison, Jesus withdrew to, to um, Galilee and then... This is what Matthew 4, 17 states. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And other times he used repent for the kingdom of God is near, but he both meant the same thing at, at that time. So the kingdom of heaven was that phrase that was used uh, only in Matthew and uh, as I understand it, it was since Matthew was written mainly to the Jewish people, and they were looking for a Messiah that would reestablish the kingdom of Israel as promised long ago, an earthly rule. Um, this is how they interpreted what the prophets had spoken. But, you know, God's plan was and always is better than we understand. Um, part of the reason. Jesus used kingdom of heaven was to help them understand that he came to establish a kingdom, not of this world, not of this realm. And all were slow to grasp that truth. Um, Camille made this point, you know, when she was speaking to us a few weeks back that remember on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus approached the two men returning from Jerusalem, they told Jesus this, in Luke 24, 21. But we were hoping that it was he, Jesus, who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things had happened. They were expecting deliverance from Roman rule. And so even the disciples, uh, after three years of teaching and, and being with Jesus after he had risen, uh, Acts 1, 6 records this. 
So when they, the disciples had come together, they began asking him saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Um, he's so patient. Uh, he, he answered them patiently and gave them uh, a response um, rather than out of frustration, just understanding kind of where they still were and trusting that in the sending of his Holy Spirit, it would all come together. But his overarching message began with one word, repent, which really means essentially change your mind. Change your mind about what I'm speaking about, about the kingdom. And it's understood in the word repent that you naturally, if you change your mind, it's going to change your behavior and your lifestyle. That's essentially what that word means. It's interesting if you follow on with Jesus talking about the kingdom, because I think we all could agree that nobody can better explain a concept than Jesus, especially concerning the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, since he was the king. But how did he go about doing that to a people who had a different concept of what to expect, or what they were looking for? Um, well, one of the difficulties was that the kingdom was invisible. I'm going to read a passage to you out of the third chapter of John, uh, probably the, the longest passage I read, but uh, it goes like this, and you all very much remember it. It's the, it's the time when Nicodemus uh, came to Jesus in the night. So beginning John 3, uh, verse 1, this is what it says. There was a man named Nicodemus a Jewish leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Explain, exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back in his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected te Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. As, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So Jesus makes two points in this passage about the kingdom of God. The first one, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. See means comprehend, understand, have a new perspective. And, and the second one, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Your translation may say born from above. But you can't see this new kind of life. Um, and the only way to enter is through this new kind of life. It is as with most things with God, believe and then you will see. Uh, 
You know, I think this is something we should keep in mind when we're sharing the gospel of the kingdom. It is hard, if not impossible, to see until you believe. It may be really, really clear to you what you're trying to communicate and totally unintelligible to the person or people you're speaking with. It's just something that we need to remind ourselves uh, as, as we begin presenting. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes and reveals, uh, not just necessarily our words. So when Jesus spoke about the kingdom, he used these phrases, it is like, or what shall I compare it to, or he told a story to try to describe it. He described it using language and examples that people could understand, even though they may not grasp the actual truth of the kingdom. It was purposefully done that way as a mystery, until or unless revealed. I'll just give you some examples of leading examples just to remind you of things you've already read. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the ground. He goes to bed and gets up day by day. It grows. He knows not how. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which grows and gets very large. The kingdom of God is like leaven until it is, till all it is within is leavened. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found in heaven again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom of God is like a merchant seeking fine, pearl, seeking fine pearls. Upon finding one of great value, he went and sold everything he had and he bought it. The kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the morning. He hired laborers to work. He hired more at lunch. He hired more at dinner. They all came in to be paid. They were all paid the same thing. Many of them said that wasn't fair. But the interesting thing about that story is it ends with a very pointed question. It, or he says, or is your eye envious? because I am so generous. I mean, that's something, that's a probing question for us all as we watch how God's grace and goodness operates in the kingdom of heaven uh, among our brothers and si sisters. Is our eye sometimes envious because he's so generous and good? The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. What does it say? Many were too busy. The kingdom of heaven will be compared to 10 virgins with lamps and oil, but only half are looking and ready. You know, these are all things that we've heard before as Jesus described the kingdom and they are not understood until you believe and then by the spirit, he gives insight to the meanings of characteristics of, of, of the kingdom, of what it really is all about. Um, you know, the disciples heard the parable about the sower that sowed seed. They didn't understand it, and they asked him to explain it, and he did. And this is how he said later, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest they're told in parables so that while seeing, they may not see, and while hearing, they may not understand. Seems pretty cruel in a way, but the Lord has his ways. The Lord hides the pearls of the truth until those believe are ready to re receive and reveal it. They didn't have a total grasp of this, even after he had been raised from the dead, and yet Jesus sent them out with these instructions. In Luke 9, it says this, Now Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and the power to heal diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. 
So what knowledge they did have, things that he had told them, they maybe they even repeated these same likes and comparisons, I don't know. But he trusted them with the Holy Spirit to go out and proclaim this, even without a, a full understanding of what they were saying. You know, I, I'm sure you remember uh, Jesus was questioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and um, he was telling a story, and he saw that one teacher answered him very wisely, stating the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus told him this. He said, you're close. You're close to the kingdom. I thought, close? I, I, as I've kind of thought about that, I think Jesus meant when you understand loving means serving, the man would have had the truth. The kingdom values, uh, as we all have heard before, are almost opposite of the world's values, like an upside down kingdom. You know, to become great, you have to become a servant. To enter, you've got to be childlike. To be careful if you're rich or wealthy because it's difficult to enter because you have to choose between God and mammon. Sometimes a difficult choice for those that um, have a lot of things. Um, over and over, he alluded to his kingdom as one much unlike what people were expecting. And yet it was the beginning of the fulfillment of, one that, of the one that was promised for ages. The kingdom was at hand because of his presence, and he had all authority that was promised in the prophecy in Daniel. He was given a kingdom and authority in Daniel, as Daniel prophesied. He was the king of a people who believed, and through the Holy Spirit, he tabernacled with those people in their hearts. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier how interesting it is that how much Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God and how little those words appear in the Acts of Letters to the church. Uh, even Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, only uses the word 14 times. Um, so, you know, I was wondering, why is that? And, and I think the Gospels and the letters to the church had different purposes. The Gospels kind of provide a record of what Jesus said and did, and the letters of Paul and the apostles really explain the meaning and practical implications of who he was and what he did for us. You know, when Jesus was questioned by Pilate, he responded that his kingdom was not of this world, not of this realm. However, Jesus preached the kingdom of God to lay a groundwork and a framework for a new kind of kingdom, actually a kingdom that was to be of this world, beginning with these disciples. In the early church, they continued to speak about the kingdom of God and the long-awaited Messiah that had ushered in this king, kingdom, which was of a higher realm, higher authority, higher purpose. Um, and they spoke about this. I'll just give you a few examples in Acts. Acts 8.12 says this, but when they believed Philip as he was preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were being baptized. And Paul entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, having discussions and persuading them about the kingdom of God. And later on, he says, as he parted from one group of disciples, and now behold, I know that all of you among, among whom I spent went about preaching the kingdom, I will no longer see your face. This was the message of Paul and the apostles. Um, they expressed the effects of the kingdom and how to live and behave 
in it and the power to do so. When Jesus commissioned them to go, that began their ministry and began the, the beginning of this phase called the proclaimed kingdom. And that's the one that we live in still today. Um, interesting, as you look at Paul's letters to the church, he seemed to be able to more define the characteristics by using a different word rather than like or compared to. He used the word is. Um, Romans 14, 17 says this, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but understood is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we say that a lot. I asked Greg one time, I said, what do you think the kingdom of God is? We were having breakfast one time. And he said, well, it's, right, it's the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it is. It is that. And so I went back and looked that up. And so I, I want to read you the context of that particular phrase that we know so well that describes the kingdom of God. I'll read you the context of its beginning in verse 15 of Romans 14. For, for if because of food, your brother or sister is hurt, you are no longer walking in accordance with love. Do not destroy with your choice of food that person for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul continues, for the one who serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and approved by other people. So then we pursue these things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. What's the work of God in that other person? Um, can, you, can you begin to see how one of the characteristics of the kingdom of God and the example of Jesus are fleshed out today as we proclaim this kingdom come, but not yet com complete, to, wait, to lay one's life down as a servant for those who are weak in the faith in certain areas? That scripture says, do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. If I can expand that thought, um, or for the sake of whatever may cause your brother in Christ to stumble, who, after following your example of freedom, then feels condemned. Paul reiterated that thought in Galatians. He tells the Galatians and us today, don't come under a yoke of slavery, slavery to the law, because it was for freedom that Christ yet set you free. And then in some verses later, he says, however, he also explains later, we are to use that freedom to serve one another through love. And there's another passage where Paul gives another characteristic of the kingdom of God. He says this in 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. So the kingdom of God is in power. Again, I'm going to set this thought against another thought that he spoke to those that were speaking words with no authority. He said, there are those who hold the form of godliness although they denied the power. And he tells us to avoid such people. In other words, there are those who know how to talk about Christianity, but their lives and their behavior show no power of living it out. Um, again, this is another scripture that we put it back in um, context. We can see how this power is supposed to be used among us believers. So he's speaking about believers that are need, need correction, and this is what he says. For the kingdom of God is not in words, 
but in power. What do you desire? Did I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? I don't necessarily think he means that the rod of rebuke and discipline would be unloving. He simply means, should I come with disciplinary love or gentle, affirming love? So it's important for us to see the connection between love and power in the kingdom of God. The power of the kingdom is going to issue in love. And to me, this brings up a point that Bill made in one of his messages a few weeks back also concerning the gentleness of Jesus. This is something that we have to learn to ex exhibit in speaking the truth and love as subjects of his kingdom. So within his kingdom, there is power and there are different dimensions of that power. There's not to be fear, but power and love and of a sound mind or self-control, some, some translations say. There's the power to love others into the kingdom. There's the power to be a witness of Jesus and the kingdom. There's a power to overcome sin. And obviously there's the power of God to translate one from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. That power is the active work of the Holy Spirit in us to bring us into the deeper places of holiness, to open our eyes of understanding to the kingdom of God and how it works, to help us speak confidently concerning its king and his sacrifice for sin. I, I, I re just remember too that when Paul was placed before Festus and his wife Drusilla, he didn't begin by defending himself, the things he was accused of. He took that opportunity to speak about three things, righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. I think it's a good example to keep Paul's example in mind when doors of opportunity are open to us. But as to, to discern as well where the audience is before we speak, whether it's all three subjects, one of these subjects are just a straight plain gospel. Uh, you know, there's a lot to this subject, the kingdom of God as it flows through the Bible. But let me just say this, the kingdom of God has always been about the king and his people enjoying one another in a place, a holy place. The time we're in now these is the last days and it's a time to remember his patience is salvation for more people as we speak like kingdom people, as we live like kingdom people and as we love like kingdom people. Speaking words of truth and loving others into this kingdom, depending, on, depending upon his grace and the power he has given us. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for inviting and making a way for us into your kingdom. Help us to remember the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy, in the Holy Spirit. Come Lord and open in us the gates of your kingdom. In Jesus name, amen, amen. Okay, Bill, I'll turn it back to you. I want to know more of the kingdom. And what the, what it's like to live in the kingdom, and um, you you think as as wonderful as life is on earth, and as difficult as life is on earth for many people, uh, the kingdom of God comes alongside and uh, inspires us to live the way with the faith and the honesty and the trust that God wants us to live. Um, Preston found a, a short song that I'd like to, pray, to play, and um, while that's playing, I want you to consider this aspect of the kingdom, uh, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, and just let the Spirit 
um, encourage you that these these things belong to you if you're part of the kingdom. These things are, are, are part and partial of, of faith in God. And this is what this is what he's working to produce in you. Um, so let me play that now. The kingdom of God is justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God Lord and open in us the gates of your kingdom. The kingdom of God is justice and words telling us what the kingdom of God is it Lord it just brings peace to us and it brings joy to know that we we are we find we finally find our rest with you and Lord that that attribute of society that everybody wants justice another word for righteousness Lord, is, is secure in your kingdom. Lord, may, may this be evidenced in us as we live our life, as we serve you and serve our, love our neighbors. Let us be marked, Lord, with this, with this joy and let us be marked with this peace and let us be marked, Lord, with this righteousness. Lord, we, we don't want to subscribe to any, any other kingdom. We recognize, Lord, that there's no kingdom like yours. Lord, no one else offers true righteousness, true joy, and true peace. Lord Jesus, you, you even said this. You, you said you gave us your words that, that our joy might be full. You said you, you would give us your peace, not as the world gives. And Lord, we know that the, the only righteousness we have is the righteousness that you present to us and you mark us clean, Lord, you give us clean robes that are not marked by sin, Lord, because they're your robes. So, Father, when we are attacked and confronted and have to discern and make decisions about how we're going to live, how we're going to respond to people, what we're going to say, what we're going to do. Help us to respond as citizens of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, where Jesus is the king, where we are the subjects, and the place 
The place is everywhere where you rule and reign, which is everywhere. And yet one day, Lord, it will be in your presence. So, Father, we, we, we pray that your words might bring life to us today. We give you thanks, Lord God. In Jesus' name. I don't know. Are there other other thoughts or comments anyone would like to share before we go to Penny for yeah, Camille? I have one. Um, as you were sharing, Preston, I was thinking about Jan and Sean. And um, particularly, um, you know, because uh Jan, you shared so recently about the way that God has revealed himself to you through the creation. And you realize that he really is God and you, you made a commitment of your life to him. You know, the beginning of the kingdom of God is walking through the door of salvation. And that's what you did. And so there is a difference between just the um, many times as Preston talked about, people are only preaching about salvation. This is just the entrance into the kingdom. When we give our lives to Jesus, we walk through the door of salvation. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And when we open the door to him in our lives, we have entered the kingdom. And then we have the rest of our lives to learn about what the kingdom is. So um, the, the reason I think sometimes the church is so weak is because we're only preaching salvation and then not how to grow not how to really learn what it means to be kingdom people. So, you know, Jan, you can be, uh, and Sean, you can be very confident that as you have walked through the door into, you have walked through the door of salvation through Jesus, you've walked into the kingdom. Now, you know, we get to learn what it means to live in the kingdom like Preston was talking about. What does that look like in daily life? And um, this is the, this is the uh, reality of the kingdom, how to live it, you know, and how to become kingdom people, like Preston said. So many times we, we, when we become Christians, we often doubt and we think, oh, is that really real? Um, but it's real. As Preston said, the kingdom is, um, it's the power. God has the power to transfer us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And then he begins to share with us what it looks like to be in the kingdom. So I just wanted to really encourage you because you are so brand new uh, into the kingdom. Um, and um, so I think that that's one thing that came to my mind. And um, the other thing is I've been reading through the book of Daniel and I would highly recommend it because Daniel was pulled out of the kingdom that was the, you know, Israel and taken to another country and he never returned to Israel. And he lived through all these different kingdoms, these different rulers, but he never let go of his faith in God. And he, and he, was, um, he was used by God in places that were very ungodly, which is another wonderful picture of the kingdom. So anyway, um, I just wanted to share that. I'll kind of toss a little bit in the bible actually talks about eight different kingdoms uh, throughout the bible um, and jesus sometimes referred to the kingdom of heaven and remember that heaven's a place and the kingdom of god and remember that god is a person of the trinity so sometimes he's speaking about two different things that have a lot of similarities but they are different um, and I used to think they were all the same, but once you know, I've been reading through a study for the past couple of months on some of the differences, and once I started paying attention, um, a lot of scripture made a lot more sense. Mm. So when you're reading about the kingdom of, look and see, are they talking about heaven, Israel? Are they talking about Satan's kingdom? Are they talking about God's kingdom? Just pay attention to that. Mm. It's a detail that's real easy to skip. Any other thoughts? Just one, apart from what uh, Mike was talking about, but uh, I was just thinking about um, Randy and Lisa with 
the news that the house seems to have been sold, uh, all the indications are. And the scripture in, in Micah that says, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And I think for every one of us, without exception, we go through periods of time when we go, Lord, how long? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be forever before you answer me? And um, it's just a matter of, you know, we're not as, it's not as difficult for us as it was for Abraham. Uh, he waited forever for some things and never saw them, but he always saw God being faithful to him. And um, it can be discouraging unless you put your trust in the word of God and know that he never fails. And even though it might be long coming the way we count time, it always comes. Mm -hmm. I also had an impression to share something for Pat and Lisa. As I've been reading through Daniel, um, as I mentioned, I was reading yesterday in Daniel 9, and Daniel was praying for the people <laughs> of his nation. And, um, and, he, um, and, and while he was praying, it says in Daniel chapter 9, verse 20, it says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was in prayer, Gabriel whom I had seen in a vision, he came to me and he said, Daniel, I have come to give you insight and understanding. And at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out and I have come to tell it to you for you are greatly loved. And when I read that part about being greatly loved, it really, it really touched my heart very deeply. The Lord loves his people and his people who are crying out for change crying out for their lands crying out for um righteousness and justice that preston was talking about the lord sees the lord honors and the lord loves those people he loves his people and i just thought what an encouragement to daniel that the gabriel came and said you are greatly loved and i just thought of both you pat and you lisa as you've been so strongly praying for our nation and many others as well. But in particular, you two came to my mind and I just wanted to share that scripture with you. I think the Lord would say that to you too. Kind of funny because for the last two days, I've, I've been reading over and over again, the first two thirds of the chapter of chapter nine in Daniel, because that's where Daniel is interceding and pleading for God to have mercy and confessing his sins and, no, and saying that God, you know, we don't deserve it. We all of us have sinned, and but we just call on your mercy. And it's a powerful yeah. and uh, interceding for himself and for his people. Yeah. It's an example of being kingdom people. Kingdom people pray for their countries. Kingdom people pray for mercy. That's part of what it looks like to be a kingdom person. Thanks. Another, another fun sort of fact in the beginning of Daniel is, is you'll remember that they were using music as a way to get people to bow down before their image. And that's still kind of an effective tool today. Yeah. Yeah. You have a sack butt. <laughs> <laughs> Some other instruments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Julie's reminding me that the, the whole idea of music and worship was God's idea mm -hmm. <laughs> from the beginning and uh, is tried to be redirected because of the power uh, and the influence of this, of this, the language of music. I mean, um, we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we're given this appreciation for what music does and we're given the ability to produce music. Mm -hmm. I mean, vocal cords, you can control what's happening mm -hmm. and it just, it, they're all pointers. All these things are pointers to what the kingdom is going to, the fulfillment of the kingdom is going to be like. Yep. Um, and it's fantastic.
I just encourage all of you, as you worship God and you consider everything you've ever tasted and everything you've ever seen and everything you've ever heard and everything you've ever felt, um, just just pointers mm -hmm. to the fulfillment of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Jesus. You know, one of the questions when we're considering different kingdoms, one of the big questions is who gets the worship? Yeah. yeah. Who gets the worship? So if it's humans that get the worship, that's not the kingdom of God. Right. If it's money that gets the worship, education gets the worship, it's not the kingdom of God. Uh, it's who gets the worship. That is the distinguishing mark of which kingdom you're talking about. Sorry, I've been teaching this all last week, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's just overflowing. I can't help it. Sorry. Preston, Preston uh, primed the pump, I think. <laughs> well, this is the third completely independent um, mention I've heard of the teaching on Nicodemus this morning. So it's kind of a theme that's in the air. So Yeah. There you go. Uh, any other thoughts? Rebecca, you're driving somewhere, so keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan's driving. Oh, look at them, yeah. So they, they did find a car this week, so that's what they Oh, good. 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 Penny, why don't we go to you? To you we're going to anoint you Mary the second. <laughs> or Penny the first. Maybe you're Penny the first. Hi, everybody. Hi, Martha. Good to see you soon. Yes, I am at Mary's house today, and she has left me with the responsibility of giving announcements and left me with a list here, which says paint chairs, go to the grocery store. Oh, wrong one. Um, <laughs> um, um, she wants to acknowledge some birthdays. Um, and yesterday was Lucy's birthday. So we remember her and say happy birthday. Also, um, Tia has a birthday Wednesday. Is that correct? Or had a birthday Wednesday? Birthday. Had a birthday. Had a birthday. Yeah. OK. Um, so we do have some birthdays coming up and that is uh, Wednesday for um, Camille's mom. And um, so we, happy birthday to your mom, Camille. Thank you. And also Wednesday night, of course, is prayer meeting. So we wanna encourage as many of you uh, to come as can come. Uh, I can say for myself that it's been wonderful and sharing in um, each other's prayer requests and lifting them up to God. So if you can come for prayer meeting Wednesday night, please do. And of course, um, Thursday, Thanksgiving, and let us remember to be thankful. Uh, we are entering into Advent season, uh, which starts the following week, where we celebrate um, the, the light of the world coming into, um, the, the light of God coming into the world in the form of Jesus Christ. And we wanna thank him and praise him for that. And for the Advent season, we will be talking about um, peace and joy and hope and love and all of those things that Jesus brings. Um, and um, I am here with Martha and Larry and I know Martha has some um, prayer requests that she wants to share. So Martha, if you wanna. <clears throat> it's so good to see my church family. <laughs> hey Martha. I consider you my church. <laughs> um, most of you know Aaron and Mary Jane and Chris and they fly out next Sunday to go to um, Rochester, Minnesota. And they're going to be there for about six days for the first round doing some tests. And many, many doctors will be seeing Aaron. And we are praying that God will bring what is in the dark to the light. Uh, Aaron has struggled for so long. He's 20 years old. And has been through so much, but uh, this has been very difficult for you know Mary Jane and Chris also. So they will go up there and come back on the following Friday. They go the, uh, this coming Sunday, and they'll be gone until the following Friday. Then she told me they have to go back the 17th of December, and then the 1st of January. So there'll be several trips there and back, and uh, so we're just praying that God will open up doors that need to be opened. We need to know what's going on and uh, that the 
correct diagnosis will come forth and the correct treatment. Uh, I also just got a call from my niece Jan, my older sister Sarah. They are just taking her to the hospital now. So um, I don't know exactly what it is, but um, Sarah is 81 and uh, so she, she's getting up there. So I'd appreciate you remembering her also. So thank you. Martha, is Mary Jane and her family going to be able to stay in like a Ronald McDonald house or free or nearly free or something like that? Oh, no, it's not nearly free at all. Uh -uh. But there is a hotel connected to the hospital and you go in a tunnel under, uh, you know, to the hospital. So um, she has good insurance and we're hoping that will cover a lot of the bills for the medical, you know, but... but uh, Anyway, uh, I've been watching Aaron for a long time and he's just, he's in a very difficult place. I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. That's difficult. Mary, Mary has kept us in touch with some of the things going on here the last prayer meetings. So we've been praying for Aaron. Well, thank you so much. But next Sunday is when they go. So, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so thank you for remembering that. I'm grateful he can go and that they will see him. Yeah, because that's what Mary was saying that they have they were delighted that Mayo Clinic accepted his case for, for investigation. Well, they won't take you unless they think they can help you. So that was encouraging to us. Yeah. You know. Okay. So. Anyone else? Prayer requests before we so Lucy, would you rather us sing to you or, or pray for you? And Tia, would you rather us sing happy birthday for you or pray for you? Um, I would uh, prefer to pray for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'll sing for you later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about Tia? Is she she's still around? Does she rather have prayer or? or... Say so what? How about Tia? Yeah. Would you rather have prayer or, or singing? Prayer. Prayer. Prayer? Okay. Well, I want to ask my wife, Julie, to pray uh, for Lucy and Tia. And if you would also pray for um, Aaron and, and Jan. Not Jan. Sarah. Sarah. Sorry, Sarah. Let's pray. Father, together we bring these people before you. These people that you love, that they're precious to you. And Father, we want to thank you for Lucy and her new life at NC State this fall and all the plans and purposes you have set before her. And Father, we do pray that you would continually guide her path and open doors for people that you want her to meet, people that you want to teach her and continue to solidify in her heart um, the, the path that you have for her for a major and possibly a career and things ahead that she would just walk with you and that you would give her great Christian friends her own age who are walking through these same decisions that they might pray for each other and lift each other up and encourage each other and father we thank you for Tia and for the blessing that she is and has been to our lives all of these years and I'm sad I can't see Tia very much but Lord I pray that you would continue to give her strength to care for her mother and I pray, thanking you for that she would continue to have good health herself. I pray that you would encourage her to continue in prayer for the things that are deep in her heart for her family. And that you would answer those prayers, God, and call her family members to know you. And Father, we also thank you. We have the privilege of praying for Aaron and how we love him. And we pray, Lord, that you would just praising you, Father, first of all, that you were able to get him accepted at the Mayo Clinic and that he would have the very best of medical care, that you would speak to these doctors and researchers that put things in their hearts and their minds that they would have never thought of on their own, that you would make it very clear that these are issues that you could work through the doctors to bring healing to Aaron. And I pray that you would encourage Mary Jane and Chris in this and they would sense your presence in providing for every need that they have. 
So God, I pray that week by week, Aaron's going to get better and be able to live the best life you have for him. And God, again, we pray that his best years are ahead of him and that you would redeem all these years of his suffering. And Father, we also pray for Sarah now that she's in your hands, Lord. I know Martha wishes she could be there as well as Mary, but Father, would you provide her with the best of medical care that she needs and give her clarity of mind to understand what's happening and that she would submit to care and that you would bring healing to her body. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Preston, what kind of things can you do to help the, the problem with, with your forehead? It's the first time in my life I've had to be on some kind of maintenance medicine rather than dealing with the actual, it's um, tragalgia, neuralgia, something like that. There's a, there's a nerve that comes through a hole in your skull that comes to the outside of your face. And somehow or another, when that gets irritated, it sends this really excruciating pain um, across your face. Uh, that's the, I don't know how to describe it other than it kind of stops you in your tracks. I, my sister-in-law looked it up and said it's the, the fourth most painful thing you can have. But whether it is or not, I know for me, it's pretty painful. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, it just seems to have gotten increasingly more frequent lately and the medicine doesn't seem to be um, masking it as much as it was before. So I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Get a back massage, Preston. That, a neck, Muscle, neck, a neck, neck, neck. Okay. Because those that, those are exactly the same symptoms I have coming around the side of my face and but at my neck too and shooting up over the top of my head and it's nerve compression. Okay. So I'm pray I'll be praying for you every day, Preston. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to see everyone this morning. Any other any other uh, fellowship items before we? Have a great week of Thanksgiving, <clears throat> a great life of Thanksgiving. <laughs> Roger, praying for you tomorrow. Thank you. For um, success in that new work. Amen. Um, God loves you all, and the kingdom of God is uh, is here. Amen. 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 And it's getting stronger and better. May the light continue to grow brighter in each of us. Amen. Love you all. Thanks for the message, Preston. Thank you, Preston. Yes, thank God you. God bless you guys. Go Wolf Pack. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy birthday. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy birthday, Lucy, yesterday. Thank yeah. you. Happy <laughs> Happy great weekend. Goodbye, Greg. Good to see you. Bye, honey. <laughs> take take Bye, care guys, of your guys. wife and daughter. <laughs> Bye, Sean. Bye, Bye Jan. Bye. Bye, Henry. Bye, Bye Elena. Bye, Preston. Happy birthday, Bye, Mr. Bye, Henry. Are there they with the stripes going the two different directions again? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that that is confusing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I see it. Okay. Good night, everybody. All right, bye. See ya. Good night. Bye.